Well, good evening and welcome to Production Expert Podcast number 450. It's December 14th, 2020. I'm Russ Hughes. I'm William Whitman. And I'm Chris Vandeviver. Uh, we've still got some active Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals uh, on the deals page, so head over there to see what's on offer. There's uh, too many to list, so so get get over there uh, while they're while they're still hanging on, and uh, yeah, see if you can if you haven't already done it, then snag a last minute deal. Anyway, let's go on to talking points. These are sponsored by our friends at Archuria. Hello, experts and listeners. Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia. Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, include the Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the Audio Fuse Creative Suite is included with all Audio Fuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit Arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Now, before the start of the show, we were just having a quick conversation. Uh, William brought it up, and it's it, it's a good question. It's uh, first, how much are we influenced by named plugins such as artist type plugins, and also pretty design so it looks like a 1073 so does it sound any better than a wireframe version of the thing that sounds the same uh if it does uh and do they sound better because of that should we be influenced by all this stuff so william you brought it up first so you must have kind of you must have a horse in the race here what were you thinking about when you kind of asked us about this yeah, well, I suppose I have a horse in the race to some degree that I think we're all easily led by the branding, by the GUI, by the recommendations. But I suppose my suspicion is that that's not the best way to make those kind of choices, that just because someone says, this is the EQ I use on X, does not mean it's going to work for me. And I think recommendations in general only go so far because everybody's experiences and tastes and predilections lead you to a very different level of experience and therefore nature of your decision making. You know, that I think uh, speakers are probably the most obvious example of that, that, that almost everyone I know ends up picking monitors because they work well for them, not because of recommendations or because of specs or because uh, of, of name brand. You know, it's a very sort of personal thing that you have to find what works for you. And I think that extends, at least for me, down into almost everything, into the microphone that I like on the snare drums, not the microphone that most people like on the snare drum, et cetera. And I think um, there's a tendency for people to want to learn from recommendations, but I think they only go so far for those kind of reasons. Chris, how do you feel about all of this stuff? Sure. So, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, and I might be setting myself up for failure, but I think of UAD. I think of Universal Audio, um, and they make amazing things, and they make great plugins uh, that I definitely revere, but I don't use. Um, and I also kind of have um, a feeling towards that model where it's like, well, it's this brand, and it's this emulation, so it's the best. And it's like, I don't know, is it the best? Did they, did they just like nail the marketing scheme and the the delivery of uh, convincing me or other people that what they offer is the best. Um, but on the other hand, I could 
argue that you kind of need, I mean, recommendations are what we rely on for, uh, what's the way I want to put it? Like a shortcut to, you know, I don't want to spend all my money on all the things that are not going to work for me. I want someone to give me a recommendation of something good so I can get right down to work, or at least I'm springboarding from a good recommendation and then finessing my decisions from there. I think I've got, I really have a horse in this race because I work for some <laughs> companies that, and and we do rely on to somewhat an artist endorsements because they do help build trust around a brand. If you think about when, let's say a particular, let's, let's just strip this all the way back. Let's take away some of the big brands we know about like Waves and UA and Plugin Alliance and they've got history. But imagine you're a brand new company. You've made a great little plugin. Uh, whether it looks like it or not is irrelevant, but you made a great new plugin. It sounds great. And then you've got to get that to market against all the other big guys. And so the easiest way to build trust very quickly, and I mean, in a genuine way, not in a because I, because the one thing I'll be clear about, and people know that, uh, is that, uh, that, that all the brands I work for don't pay for endorsements ever, never. So let's be clear about that. Uh, but so you'll go to people. I've been to William sometimes about this and been to lots of people, Steve Jenwick, lots of people and said, listen, have a listen to this. Try it out if you like it and, and you really find it useful. Would you be prepared to say something about it? And they do. And if you imagine then, so if you're a, if you're somebody then looking at that brand, it's a brand new brand with a brand new product, then you can imagine that's really helpful to build trust quickly. Uh, yeah, that, ma where, that makes total that makes I'm sorry, Ross, but that makes total sense. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm very careful. I, you, I don't know if you notice, probably don't because you deal with a lot of people on that level. But I'm very careful to say, I really loved this thing or found this thing useful, but without being prescriptive. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I will, mm. I will never yeah. say, and this changed my snare drum. Yeah. I sold my children <laughs> and bought it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of crap. No, but I was about to say and finish with is that I don't, th I'm of the mind that, that let's, that, that audio isn't binary. So just because Bill says he likes the 1073, it might be terrible for the work I'm doing or the voice I'm working on or the mic I'm plugging into it. There are so, I think there's so many different variants and we're creatives at the end of the day. I, I just can't imagine in an industry like I don't know, let's take like let's take artists painting stuff. This will come up later actually in my find of the week. But I can't imagine an artist going, I use red, and unless you use red, your paintings are gonna look crap. Because that's just insane. But we kind of have got to that place sometimes in audio, and perhaps this is where it came from, William, that that that, that we've kind of said, Well, unless you use a use this Neve preamp, then your vocals are never gonna sound any good. I don't buy into that at all. Because I know that the vocalist is gonna make the biggest difference. Yes, of course, and and of course we're we're at this point rarely even talking about a Neve preamp. What we're talking about is seven different plugins that all have a picture of a Neve preamp. Yeah, and and which one of those? And I think more often than not, those things are more similar than not. Um, you know, but I think I mean, for example, I mean, without getting too much into name brands, this week Waves came out with a version of the RS one two four. Modified Altec compressor. Oh, the Abbey Road Beatles thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, how many people have actually been in the room with an RS one two four? You know, it. I mean, not a lot. And uh, and there are and have been other plugin variations of that. And so you have to really ask yourself: 
is this thing doing something I need? Is this thing doing something different than everything else I have? And is this thing different than perhaps the other three RS124 variants that I already have? And those are the questions I think people often don't ask themselves before they drop the however much it is for the new shiny plug-in with the pretty picture. Do you think people are afraid to stand out from the crowd? Do you think people, because it's such a, I have to say this, it feels like a fashion-led industry half the time, our industry these days. Agree. Uh, and do you think people are afraid to say, oh, I didn't, I, I haven't got that reverb or I, I don't use that workflow? Chris? Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I think that, um, you know, forums are, you know, the place that all bad things happen. And there's a lot of that <laughs> that goes on where it's like, what? You don't like that? You're crazy. Um, I, speaking from personal, uh, just personally, I, many years I followed things like, uh, I won't even drop the name brands, but like these analog emulations of tapes and consoles and, oh, wow, that's where the sound is supposed to, uh, that's the sound that you're looking for. And that's fallen out of favor for me. And I, um, I'm most interested in stuff that, reinvigorates or refreshes my workflow. Uh, for example, Oak Sound Sooth 2. I mean, I didn't know I needed it until I saw it. And maybe I'm doing exactly what we're discussing as recommending something. But I, I'm looking for a refresh on making my life easier and faster. But but don't you? Th but for me, and uh, I'm working I'm working with a brand right now who's about to release a new product in the new year, which is workflow, workflow, workflow. And I've always said that once the sound has been nailed in a product, then there's only three things that matter for professionals, and that's workflow, workflow, and workflow. And that's my view on this: that most of the things that I love, like you're saying, Chris, are the things I can do things fast with, and and not have to fart around half the day reading manuals or or, or convoluted workflows in them i think the quicker i can get to getting the right sound uh not in a sloppy way but i don't mm -hmm. want to have to wrestle with gear which sometimes yeah. and it's almost it alludes to a question you we nearly spoke about today which is i feel sometimes like an it professional more than a creative I, absolutely william do you think people feel afraid to step out of the the kind of brand loops very much so and not just the brand loop but but the choice i mean easy example if you go online or talk to people in audio fora, they, the first thing people are going to say when you say, what should I put on a snare drum? People are going to say an SM57. It's almost like you're a, her yes. you're a heretic if you don't want to use an SM57. I'll, personally, I hate an SM57. Julian's I'm hated pretty most much hated, anything. Julian's most <laughs> yes. hated Mike. He did a whole yeah, podcast on it. I, I'm, with, I'm with him. I mean, my friend Jeff Daking says they're fine if there's a nail loose somewhere in the studio and you need something to... <laughs> bang it with but <laughs> but 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 you you literally will be run out on a rail for saying not to use an SM57 on a snare drum and and this is in the hardware world in the software world I think there's a bit less of that but it's still a question of that blind leading the deaf thing where people say well what should I use on a guitar and it becomes the thing of the moment that everybody must use uh, and I think that is coming from a place of fear of of missing out on the thing that oh I know everybody's doing that it must be the thing to do but isn't it painting by number or music by numbers then it's almost cookie cutter music then isn't it that we're all kind of we're not how do you pioneer a new technique? And actually some of the best techniques out there were happy accidents, weren't they? Somebody turned the wrong knob on the desk, like we can talk about the gated drum sound is a perfect example uh, from the 80s. Uh, 
and then of course it, it becomes fashion. Uh, here's a really interesting story, and it's kind of you, you stay with me. So I'm in the car about a week ago, queuing for the McDonald's drive-through for my five-year-old recipe take with my wife. And last Christmas is on the radio. Uh, you might have seen me write about this on Facebook. And I and I and I was sitting there, and, and my wife singing along to it, and I'm thinking. Is that a Lindrum or a Drumulator on that track? I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. So uh, I just turned to my wife just as an experiment and said, what do you think of the sound of that snare drum? She said, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. She looked at me like I was insane. I said, and I said, and I said, I said, you don't know any, you don't care, do you? She said, no. I said, all you care about is this tune, don't you? She said, yeah, it's just a great tune. And, and it kind of makes me feel that we're kind of, who is all this for? It's kind of taking this question mm. to a different place now. But yeah, we, we, of course, we all want to buy the right gear to do things as well as we can. Uh, but but at, at one point, at what point do we kind of uh, entirely miss the point and just buy stuff because we have to? Yeah, or choose or choose stuff. I mean, it's it's also, let's say you're working on that song and you realize the snare drum needs a bit of 10K on it. It almost doesn't matter. I would even say it completely doesn't matter what thing you pick. What 10K you whack on it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like to, to now pour through my seven different versions of a 1073 plug-in it's, is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's, it is it's, insanity. <laughs> yeah. That said, are there things that from my cold, dead hand <laughs> you, you can't take from me on this stuff? I think I've got them. I'll start. So the Mag EQ. Mm. The Mag EQ4, that top end, is is magic for me. And I haven't found anything else that does it. That's not me to say to everybody go out and buy it now. Uh, or you can't do it another way. But this, but the the airband, uh, and I've talked, I've talked to Cliff about it, the guy that invented it, the original hardware, and then the plug-in equivalent. It's it is for me magic. So there are so that's one for me. So I don't think it is all smoke and mirrors. No, I'm not saying nothing's any good. Lots of things are good, you know. But <laughs> but but I I also think I I don't know. I was thinking about. Um, do either of you play tennis? Yes, uh, badly. Well, you okay. wouldn't call it playing, but yeah, but carry on. <laughs> yeah. Work at tennis. Yeah. yeah. Um, I you know, try a, tennis. Yeah. There's a there's an axiom that um, you never play better than when you pick up a friend's racket or or demo a racket. Yeah. That all of us or, and and. That's not because that racket's brilliant and your racket is horrible. That's the the shock of the new. That's the it forces you to use a different muscle, whether that's mental mm. or physical. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that's not a bad thing. That shaking it up. That maybe maybe the new RS one twenty four plugin makes you do something different that shakes it up in a little bit. Maybe it has a real time analyzer that the other one didn't have, or you know that whichever plugin is new might make you think about it in a new way or use it in a new way. And that's the good thing. But but there's also the placebo that it's your friend's racket and you're going to play better with it for about a week and then it's going to be your racket and you're going to be right back where you were because your game is your game, if that makes sense. I can ruin that, that axiom because I only play with my friend's racket because I'm a cheapskate and won't buy my own. <laughs> Chris, do you have? Is this, you mentioned Oak Sound Soothe earlier. That obviously had a moment. You had a moment with that. You think that 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 does something that nothing else can do for you? Absolutely. I can't think of a single other plugin that deresonates uh, automatically. It's it's uh, I, again, it's something that I never knew I needed. And at first, when it came out, it was kind of like, what does this thing do? 
But now, um, anytime I'm in a pinch and I'm chasing my tail with EQ, Soothe 2 just solves the problem. And I'm always challenging myself to not use third-party stuff. I'm always challenging myself to just use the stuff that comes in my DAW just as like a reinforce, like you don't need all the stuff. But sometimes you need some, something else to solve a problem. And that's the one for me. That makes me wonder, you see, because William, I know you use auto-align. Is it the kind of magic plugins that actually are really worthwhile? The ones that actually can do something that, that the emulations can't? Because emulations are, by their very nature, just copies of something that's already been made either once or a thousand times before. But with things like auto-align or vocal-align or soothe or all these kind of plugins, they, they're just a really important part of our toolbox. Would you agree? Yeah, but also they're the most interesting for sure. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I have to have an EQ and I, and I have to have a compressor and I probably have to have a reverb at least some of the time, you know, but um it's the plugins that do something that was never done in hardware, even even Autotune or or, yeah. or Melodyne or equivalent and things like Pi and AutoAlign and and Soothe and 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 um, the Dynamic Spectrum Mapper and things that that take you out of analog head and in, into a world that only exists in in digital. I mean, to me, those are the most interesting for sure. Yeah, because they because they're not trying to be something that they're. Well, I was going to say that they're not, but that they're, they're not trying to be something that we're already familiar with. Well, they're not reinventing the wheel, are they? Because in effect, a lot of the plugins that are emulations are, are, are by their very nature, reinventing the wheel, just making it slightly, a slightly rounder wheel. If there's, it's know. a yellow one. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a the tires are slightly better on it, but uh, and things like plugging. Uh, the great thing about emulations is you do something like MS that you can't do in the original, or they're stereo and the original wasn't stereo, or the, or you can do parallel that wasn't possible in the original without put routing it through several channels of a, of a board. So, but the, there again, I I probably do something MS once every five or six years, like <laughs> clockwork. Yeah, yeah, but you, you get my point though. There there is a place for them. But uh, none of us are writing this stuff off. We're just saying, I think, I think the whole point of this discussion originally was uh, we should make our choices not based upon uh, th- the most obvious things, such as because so-and-so uses it or so-and-so is mm-hmm. promoting it or everybody else uses it, but because it really does work for us. And I think... That's that's exactly it. It's it's. I'm not putting down this stuff. Oh, we all mm-hmm. use it, and we love some of this stuff. It's just it. It's that thing of making your own decisions based on what your workflow really demands, and not on what somebody else is, or you, even worse, what you've read somebody else does. So to help people, uh, Chris, name one thing in Logic that comes from the factory that you just fall back on all the time on the EQs or the compressors or something like that, that, that doesn't cost anything because it's in there anyway. What, 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 what are your kind of go-to use or almost on every mix is? Um, I mean, it's going to be the most boring, uh, the boring ones, but the channel EQ, which is just a pair, your basic parametric band EQ. Um, I use it constantly. I use the compressor in logic. It has uh, six or seven, uh, emulations is, is not the right word, more inspired by, um, 
different compressors, but they're all uniquely Logic. That sounds fantastic. Um, I use the reverbs and delays in Logic. Um, one plugin that I love is the Match EQ in Logic, and I use it sparingly, but sometimes if I'm trying to dissect my mix versus a couple reference tracks, just to give me a little insight as to maybe how my work is differing, I'll throw my mix into the Match EQ, just drag and drop, and then the references, and I'll compare the different curves to, to give me... Um, like a goalpost to work towards like, oh, okay, maybe I'm I don't have enough going on in the bottom or the top, or maybe it's a little bunchy in the low mids. William, what do you, Pro Tools wise, do you, uh, is there stuff out the factory that, you, that, that, that we'd use commonly in mixes? I have to say there isn't very much anymore. The, the one thing that comes to mind is I have a, I have a preset made that I've made in their EQ1 that is just my pop removal. Yeah, and I have and I have a I have a button a macro on my Raven that I just I I select the P I push one button and it audio suite removes the pop which is brilliant. Nice, but, yeah. yeah. It's funny because I'm the same. I think EQ seven, EQ one, even the fi I, I use EQ one as a filter often where you can just do just you do top or bottom roll offs and stuff like that. Uh, super useful. Why would I why would I mess around with 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 a third party plugin when when that's in there and. Uh, stuff like I remember in the old days when I had no money. I used to use what was that? What was the, what was the Maxim? I used to use Maxim quite a bit, which was the kind of their, their mastering bus compressor. It was a limiter that you could you could you could squash stuff and just get some more juice out of the machine. And, and I used to find that quite useful, and it wasn't that bad. Uh, so uh, I think there is a lot to be said sometimes for trying to mix with the stuff you've got rather than the stuff that you have to pay for. Yeah, I know. I know. I've said before, it's not something I don't have to pay for. But I mean, I've I've said before that I tend to begin a mix by putting whatever EQ I've decided I'm going to use on every channel straight off the bat in okay. bypass, so that that becomes my console. That that I'll just say, oh, That's that needs idea. some top. Turn yeah. on that EQ. That I'm yeah. not searching through the list of well, what EQ should I use on this? Yeah. And and we we often come. I I'm not sure. I, perhaps I'm just lazy, but I tend not to keep reinventing the wheel when I'm mixing. I think, well, I've got this uh, this EQ worked last time, so why wouldn't it work this time? Uh, it's not voodoo, really, is it? Uh, it's no, no. Exactly, and I and I think there's some advantage to thinking about it as though it's a console. That you know, when you're sitting down at the Neve, you don't sit there saying, "I wish Channel Thirty Seven had an API EQ." That doesn't. Doesn't really, work like that. No, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, at one point you go into. I remember you used to go to studios and the board was the board, and like you didn't spend all day thinking about. I wish it was some other board. You just got on with the with the job. Yes, and if you didn't like it, you didn't go to that studio. That's yeah. all. Yeah, uh, yeah, you didn't. Uh, let's move on to competitions. We have $15,000 worth of recording studio hardware to win in our holiday draw with prizes supplied by our friends at Audient, Avid, Focusrite, and PreSonus. Enter now to win one of the following hardware bundles, the Audient ID44 and two Audient ASP880s bundle, Avid Pro Tools Carbon, Focusrite Red 16-line, and Focusrite RedNet R1 bundle or the PreSonus Quantum 4848 and PreSonus Quantum 2626 bundle. Check out the win page for more details, as well as some competitions our partners are running. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be, and even on a good day, it really isn't good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install? 
To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. RSP Audio is up and running remotely. Their team is set up and working from the safety of their homes and their sales staff are available by phone, live chat or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio and ensure you can continue to work from home. If there's anything they can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out or shop online at rspaudio.com. Plus, of course, uh, the link is also in the podcast notes this week. And yeah, find of the week. Chris, uh, what's your find of the week? Sure. It's uh, the Nugent Audio Sigmod, which is uh, kind of a utilitarian plugin, most of which I'm is is not really new news for my workflow. It, I think it has like a mono button and it has uh, removed DC and stuff like that. But the thing that I like most about it that encouraged me to purchase it, it has a module called Protect and you throw it on your stereo output. And on those slim occasions that you accidentally route something to the wrong place and you get a feedback loop or, you know, just something like a plug-in goes bonkers and there's a sudden burst of noise, which happens maybe occasionally, it just cuts the power or it cuts the sound rather. So it just stops the sudden burst of sound dead in its track. So you don't lose your monitors or your ears or anything else. And it's so cheap. So it, it felt like a good purchase because I receive a lot of projects from um, various folks from all over the place, and I don't know what I'm walking into. So I just strap that onto the stereo <laughs> output before I hit play. And how does it know? How does it know what's good and bad? Sure. It, it just uses a threshold. So plus three dB over Got zero, you. or you, you can set it yourself like, to like whatever. Like the fuse in the pair of speakers. Do you remember? Yeah. If anybody's old yeah. enough to remember that, the blowing the fuses in studio monitors. <laughs> yeah. So it's perfect just for, uh, just as that extra bit of safety. Good. That's really good. So every once in a while it says, I'm sorry, too much hi-hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm not playing this track. Yeah. Send it back to the client. Yeah. It's rubbish. Yeah. yeah. William, what's yours this week? Uh, mine is is uh, a non-audio thingy. It's a book. It's Creativity, A Short and Cheerful Guide by John Cleese of Monty Python fame. And um, I heard him talking about it on the radio and thought it sounded really interesting. It's a small, easy-to-digest book. Uh, written in his always quite funny and easy to digest style, talking about the nature of creativity and how much of it is applicable to your everyday life, not just those of us who like to think yeah. we work in creative professions, but also talking about how a lot of it is happening sort of unconsciously if you allow it to happen. It's not just about when you sit down at the computer to work, that it's also while you're making a cup of coffee and getting dressed and getting ready to go do that creative thing. It's really quite a fun, but also I think quite useful little book. I see a quote from it. Feeling creative is a frame of mind. If you're distracted or worried about worrying about something else, you're not going to be creative. Uh, that's, that's, I'm just looking at the Amazon page. Uh, the greatest killer of creativity is interruption. It reminds me, I'm, I'm reading a Seth Godin book, which is called Delivering oh. Creativity right now. And I think it's called, I can't remember, I've mentioned it a few times. But very similar kind of thing. So they're, they're probably of the same ilk, I would imagine, in terms of, of, of how they're approaching creativity, that we're all creative to one degree or another in every part of our lives. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, and at times that you might not think you're being creative, your brain is still working at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know some people got very creative accountants, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. But it's strange enough. Mine is kind of music, but it's not. 
Anna, uh, we, up, up our staircase, we, we, we like to put pictures of all kinds and we, we're very, very eclectic about it. We just see a piece of, of art and we buy it because we just like it. And she, she happened upon this great piece of photograph of the end of album covers in all their different covers from vinyl. Uh, and it's, it, it, it just made me smile. And in fact, you know, the great thing about art is that you don't have to be in a gallery for it. And I was stood on the stairs, she said, just staring at this picture, trying to identify all the albums, uh, from the end, from their end, because all half of them are knackered as well. So you can't quite make them out properly, but there's, uh, unfortunately there's a Steely Dan album in there, Will William. So, but it, but it looks beautiful even on its end. Uh, so, uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I tell you what it made me think that we often, it's so easy these days just to invest in utilitarian stuff. And I think there's something really important. That's why I love my garden. And that's why I love art is that having beautiful things around you, especially in this ugly old world we live in most of the time, they have the ability. It's a bit like the book you've just mentioned as well, William, is that they have, I just think that if you're going to, I don't think you can waste money on art personally uh, because they, it just brings something to you. It shines a little light sometimes in a pretty gray old world. Uh, and so, yeah, so this beautiful picture wasn't massive. When I say art, we're not, we're not buying Van Goghs here. They're like 120 pounds or something like that. But they, and I remember a friend came to the house a couple of years ago and he just said, he said, you've got really lovely, beautiful things around your house. And it's not because we're trying to build a show home. Just, just, there's, there's just little ornaments and stuff. And it's not, and some, some people might think it's just knickknacks and shit, but for us, it just adds elements of beauty to our lives. And I yeah, think, well, they're the knickknacks that make you feel good, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I would highly recommend that if you've got a bit of extra money sometimes, I, did, I don't know if you'd read this recently, that the, the I think it was the, the, the head of the Bank of England saying that because we haven't been on vacations and stuff and we haven't been going out, we do have, there's people have extra money right now which is one of the sort of upsides of the pandemic. And so if you've got a bit of extra money, go and buy a picture of something or a, or a plant or something or a knickknack because, because yeah. And on that uh, artful moment, uh, it's good night from me. And it's good night for me. And good night from me. Good night. Good night.